Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith in Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. So this morning, I want to talk to you about forgiveness. Um, I think it's interesting on the songs that we were singing and just the understanding. We don't know what it's cost for the forgiveness that we have received. And so how many people here, how many when you have been driving, how many of you are just a sensible person behind the wheel and if you get cut off, you're good, no no worries, right? Anybody? No, a couple people are like, yeah, I'm pretty good. Maybe you're the one cutting people off, I'm just saying. Uh, (laughs) I'm joking. We were driving home from Cobden, which is where I'm from at Christmas time, and this is when we lived in Strathroy. So we're coming through Toronto, and it was a snowstorm. And I grew up farther north, so I'm good driving in snowstorms. It may take us longer, but we will get there. And so we just slow down, we drive slow, and away we go. And so we're driving through Toronto, and most people there don't know what it means to drive in snow. And I'm not judging, I just, I lived there for a few years, it's an observation. And so we're driving through Toronto, and we're on the express lane, and I'm over in the slow lane, because I'm like, I'm not going to drive fast in this. And cars are kind of passing us, so if you don't know Pastor Melissa well, you will find out that between the two of us, she's the one with the heavy foot. And see, she's not here, so I can say whatever I want. Um, And so... We're driving, and as the first car goes by us, she's fine. But by the time the second or third one kind of goes by, you can see her stirring in her seat. And she finally goes, do you think you can drive a little bit faster? Like, everybody else is driving faster. And I just looked at her, I'm like, no, I'm actually comfortable at this speed. I'm good. And right at that moment, this SUV goes by us, and I see her kind of like, he doesn't get from here to the wall ahead of us. And all of a sudden, he just does one of these little fishtails back this way, back this way, and then straight right into the median. Just boom! And you see the car bounce up in the air, and I'm over. So I just kind of like, at this moment, watching where is he going to go, and I'm able to get past him, and I'm just driving, and as I get past him, as he comes to a stop, I just kind of look at her, and I'm like, so you want me to speed up? (laughs) And she goes, nope, we're good. And so there's always those moments as when we're driving, let's be honest, we like to be the right one. And we, when people cut me off, how many of you, when people cut you off, you're kind of like, Lord, I just pray there's a cop up there. <laughs> right? Like we pray, like somebody cuts us off or, or speeds past us, even if they drive fast, if they pass us, we're kind of like, you know what, this is great. Lord, send them ahead of me. And then I can speed up a little bit because if there's a cop ahead, they'll get pulled over and I won't. Right? This is the way, maybe I'm the only one that prays this way and you can can pray for my heart and my forgiveness. But then all of a sudden, how many of you, when you're running late and you need to speed up, our prayer shifts to, Lord, let there be no cops on the road. (laughs) Right? We pray differently depending who's in the scenario. And so all of us, All of us, we want mercy and grace for us. But when somebody else cuts us off, we kind of are like, where's the justice? Where's the police? Come on. And see, this is why I never have a fish on my car. (laughs) 
if you have a fish on your car, I hope you don't cut people off, right? Like it's one of those things of like, you cut people off, they wave to you, you know what I mean? And you just kind of like, praise Jesus, right? We, it's, I hope you're a very good driver because it says right there, I love Jesus, I just cut people off. And so as we do this, we, when somebody wrongs us, we want justice. But when we wrong somebody else, am I the only one? I want mercy and grace. And so it's, it's a challenge for me. Because when somebody wrongs me, my first reaction is flesh. It's like, oh man, I hope they get justice. But if I wrong somebody, I'm like, oh, I hope they extend me mercy. And like, look at Jesus when he was on the cross in Luke 23, 34. The first thing he he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they, do, what they are doing. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. This is so much the opposite of us, isn't it? Not only did Jesus teach and t- preach that we should love our neighbors, but he lived it. See, am I the only one that when somebody cuts me off, I really become a driver's ed instructor? Right? You ever come to a four-way stop and you're waiting for somebody else to go but they're waiting for you and you're sitting there and you're like, it's your turn. Do you not know the laws? Come on. I'll confess to you. There's no, is there any co- uh, cops in the room right now? No cops who have to raise their hand anyway. <laughs> so I'll confess, when I'm daydreaming and I'm distracted, and by distracted, I don't mean I'm on my phones or anything. I just mean mentally somewhere else as I'm driving. My bad habit is I will come to a stop at a red light. I'll come to a stop, but then I'll look both directions and I'll start moving as if it's a stop sign. And there are moments when I catch myself and I stop. And then there are moments when I make that turn and realize that wasn't a stop sign. Now, the good thing is I check to make sure it's clear like a stop sign. The bad thing is I'm still breaking the law. Everybody's looking at me like, my kids are never getting in his car anymore. I'm not the youth pastor anymore. I can confess this stuff. I never did it with a student in the car. But I have, I've come to a stop, and all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, catch myself. I'm like, okay. And we all have our things. And so when we do these things, we're so fast. We're so fast to judge others. But when it comes to us, we're like, Lord, forgive me. And we need to get to a point where we're saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Because I'm sure if I asked here, have any of you ever made a driving mistake? If you were going to tell the truth, everybody would raise their hands. Because we've all made driving mistakes. My dad lent me his Toyota MR2, which is just a tiny little sports car, um, the first day I got my G2. And his first comment to my brother and I was, don't drive it fast. It's a two-door little speedster. This is what it's meant to do, Dad. Don't drive it fast. I haven't had it over 120. I don't want you guys taking it over 120. Well, we already know that 120 is breaking the law. And where I live, it was mostly 80 kilometers an hour highways, so already you're way up there. And we're like, yeah, sure, Dad. Um, My first weekend with it, I put it in the ditch. And now, if I showed you the corner, it wasn't just my fault, but it was my fault. And a farmer pulled me out of the ditch And I told my dad when he sold the car years later. (laughs) And so there's these moments that we all make these mistakes because it was a stick shift. And so I panicked when I fishtailed it. And instead of hitting the clutch in, I hit the gas in. And so, you know, everybody that drives a stick, that really helps. And so I spun out. And so we've all made our mistakes. But Jesus, he dies on the cross. 
And the first thing he says when he puts it on the cross, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. I don't know about you, but if that was me in that moment, I don't think that would be my prayer. But see, Jesus taught earlier in Matthew 5, starting at verse 46, he says, if you love those who love you, what reward will that get you? Are not even tax collectors doing that? I love how they don't even say sinners. They say tax collectors. <laughs> it's like, all right. There is obviously no tax collectors or accountants or auditors in this building. Not, are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. See, so what sets us apart? What sets us apart is if we love others. He's saying here, if you love only those who love you, what reward will that get you? See, we're not supposed to just love those who love us. Because how many people know that that's easy? It's easy to love those who love you. It's simple. Do we only love the ones that love us? Or do we only pray? Do we pray for those who persecute us? See, and when Jesus says, pray for them, how many people are quite aware that he doesn't mean a prayer like this, Lord, fix that person, change them so I can get along with them? That's not what he means. He's not meaning change them. He's meaning bless them. Although that prayer is easier, it doesn't mean it's right. I heard a quote once that says, if you're not praying blessing for them, you're judging them. When somebody wrongs you or crosses you, if you don't begin to pray blessing on their life, then most likely you're judging them. And so why do we need to forgive others? Why do we need to pray for them? Because it's God's presence that we're seeking. See, many of us want God's presence. We want him to move in our lives. But for him to move in our lives, we need to be able to be in his presence. And see, when Jesus died on the cross for our sins, the veil in the temple was torn so that we could actually be in his presence. See, Matthew 27, 51, it says this. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn into two. From top to bottom, the earth shook, the rock split, and the tombs broke open, and bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. First off, check that out. When he died, people were raised from the dead, and they started walking around. How interesting is that? There's stuff in the Bible that we skim over. We don't realize when Jesus died, people raised from the dead and started walking around. Not only the veil split, but the rock split. And see, because that veil was torn in two, see, up to this point, only once a year was a high priest could go into the most holy place, the room in the temple where God's presence dwelled. From the rest of the temple, only once a year they could go in, and this it was the day of atonement. All the rest of the time, God was separated from the people. And it was up to the temple system. It was the only the temple system that could give hope for getting to him and receiving our forgiveness. But because Jesus died, the veil was torn, and we could enter into his presence. And through Jesus Christ, we could receive forgiveness. Now Jesus is our way to God. 
Stephen Frittick in his book, The Seven Mile Miracle, he says, we approach God not by a torn curtain, but through his body, shredded by whips, gouged by thorns, punctured by nails, and pierced with a spear so that blood and water poured out of his side. The Hebrews uh, writer writes this in Hebrews 10, 19. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from guilty conscience and having our bodies washed for pure, with pure water. Our bodies have been washed clean and we are forgiven. And the nice thing is we're forgiven over and over and over again. See, when he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. How many of us here, we can confess to the fact, and don't show your hands, it's all right, but we all sin. We've all been sinners, we've been saved, we've been created new, but our old self stirs up itself once in a while. And we sin, we mess up, we make mistakes. See, it's easy for us to read and to judge the religious leaders of that day who killed Jesus because we know who he is through the scriptures. In that moment, they thought they were doing the right thing. And see, we judge them but how many times have we sinned and we actually know fully what we're doing? See, there's moments where we can sin and mess up and then there's moments where we consciously know what we're about to do is a sin and we still do it. How many times have you known why you were doing something that it was wrong? Hurtful words. You know you weren't supposed to say them but you said them anyway. Because you knew it was just going to get it. Or you were supposed to say something kind and you didn't. Or the Lord told you to give something and you didn't give it. You were supposed to go somewhere but you didn't go. Or maybe you knew you shouldn't go somewhere but you went anyway. I like in Stephen Furtick's book, he says, so many times when we sin it isn't a lack of knowledge it's a lack of passion in our hearts. Craig Rochelle wrote a book, it's called The Christian Atheist. And he talks about how sometimes as Christians, when we sin, I'm paraphrasing, but we know fully what God's Bible says, what the Word of God tells us to do. We just don't care. As we lead to Easter, it's are we forgiving others, but are we realizing? That we shouldn't judge others because we sin the same. See, in God's eyes, sin is sin. So whether somebody had an affair and whether you lied, it's equal to God. Whether somebody robbed a bank or you gossiped about somebody. Only the church, only us have created scales. We've decided to rank sins. See, we're okay with... We're okay with the idea of living common law, but we're not okay with the idea of homosexuality. Both sexual sins. Why do we judge? 
Many of us hide the fact that maybe we had sex before marriage. But at least we're not homosexuals. Who are we to judge? We will judge others and we'll go home in the quiet place of our home and we will look at things that we shouldn't look at. We'll say things we shouldn't do. We'll get together as Christians and we'll, we'll gossip about somebody and then we'll call it a prayer meeting and pray for their need. Who are we to judge? Lord, forgive them for they know exactly what they're doing. God's grace and forgiveness, luckily for me, it doesn't stop. No matter how many times I make a mistake, no matter how many times I say something I shouldn't say, no matter how many times I think something I shouldn't think, no matter how many times I act in a way I shouldn't act, his grace is there to forgive me, as it is for you. John 1, 16, it says, For from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. He will always, always forgive us. There's moments where we, we get caught up and there's moments that our flesh will win. I play hockey and I play usually Mondays and Fridays. And one Friday night I was out playing hockey and there's one guy that plays and there's a few guys here that play and he just gets under my skin. And months ago, months ago, he got under my skin and he started chirping off and I started chirping back. I didn't swear, but I wasn't right. And I caught myself. My blood pressure was rising and, I, and I'm realizing that the next step in my head is I'm probably going to clock him. I'll tell you, a couple years ago, I probably would have. And everything in me told me to. And so I quickly skated to the bench. And I sat down. And I'm pretty sure, Chris, I'm pretty sure you were on the bench at that moment. I sat down and I was just like, dude, I got to breathe, man. And I took an extended break on the bench. And I tried to avoid shifts with him. And I'll tell you something that's the truth. I haven't been back. And I don't blame him. I've removed myself from a situation that I'm not going to be, I, I don't know what my response is going to be. And I'd love to tell you as your pastor, I'll go back and I'll pray with him and I'll lead him to Jesus. But the last time I was there, I definitely wanted to lay hands on him. <laughs> And so therefore, I've removed myself. And see, for many of us in our lives, there's certain areas of our life we just need to remove ourselves. We just need to remove ourselves. I heard a pastor speak in Toronto one time, and he said one of his staff members came to him and said he was struggling, that he would be watching TV shows on HBO that he shouldn't be watching late at night. And he wondered if his pastor could pray with him to help him. And he said, oh, we can have this solved in a matter of seconds. And he said, his, the staff member's like, oh, great, thank you. And he looked at him and said, call your cable company and cancel HBO. 
We don't need to pray. And all of a sudden, he said, it looked on his staff member's face of this moment of, I don't need to pray. You just need to do something. See, many of us want to pray when God says, no, just do something. Will I go back and play on Fridays? Probably. When I feel like I can. And see, here's what, he, here's what you need to hear. I don't blame him. It's not his fault. Chris knows that. It's not his fault. It's mine. And therefore, because I'm not sure how I will behave or how I will act, I will remove myself from the situation. Because I can't put myself in the situation and blame somebody else when I know better. So what area do you need to remove yourself from? Because see, as much as he will always forgive us, this does not mean we can keep on sinning. You see, Romans 6, 1 to 2, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that the grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? It goes on in verse 6, it says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. See, we who have accepted Christ, our old person, the person who we used to be is no longer in charge. But a new person, the one who loves and serves and follows God, that is the one that's supposed to be in charge. And see, every one of us in certain areas of our lives, the old person likes to show his face or her face. And then we need to decide, what are we going to do? See, I'm just like you. My old person likes to show his face. And see, maybe this is why I understand that when I go to share Christ with my neighbors, when I go to play ball with unbelievers and I try to share Christ with them, I don't judge them because I know exactly who I am without Jesus Christ. I'm the guy that's going to punch him in the head. I'm the guy that's going to take it way too far, way too competitively. Now see, as I grow in Christ, I realize the competitive nature that he's put in me is not unhealthy. Because I hate to lose, I like fighting the enemy. And I'm starting to understand that that drive in me to win, to not to lose in a battle, was not for sports, but it was for a spiritual fight with the enemy. And every one of you, as you grow and walk in Jesus Christ, whatever it is, see, the dilemma is a lot of times the things that hold us back is also our strength. Because the enemy will attack you in your strength to make you feel weak. But see, the great thing is when I'm weak, I'm strong. Because I'm stronger in him. And see, if you're sitting here right now, see, there's always this tension because I understand that when we accept Jesus Christ, our old self has died and we raise in Jesus as a new person, but there's always a tension. If there wasn't a tension, John wouldn't have written this in 1 John 1, 8. 
He says, if you claim to be without sin, you deceive yourself and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I'm not saying you're a sinner. You are saved. You are righteous. You are the son and daughter of the living God. But we still fight. If you don't realize you're in a fight, you're probably going to lose. There's always a spiritual battle. Because Jesus tells us that the, the enemy comes to lie, steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. But thank goodness, because Jesus died on the cross, we have the strength to fight and to persevere and to survive. See, in Matthew 18, Peter asks Jesus, how many times should I forgive a person? And before Jesus can answer, Peter thinks he'll throw out a smart answer and a good answer. How about seven times, Jesus? And Jesus comes back with, how about 77 times? And Jesus then goes on to tell a parable. He talks about a king who decides, I'm going to collect in all of my debts that are owed to me. I'm going to bring in my money. And he brings in a servant who owes him 10,000 talents. What you need to understand is one talent is worth a year's wage. So think of how much you make in a year and times it by 10,000. See, this isn't a true story. Jesus is telling a story, so he elaborates. He sends it to such an amount of money that everybody in the place realizes there's no way that he can pay this back. There's no way. And so Jesus goes on to tell the story. He says, the king brings him in and says, pay up. And he starts to beg for forgiveness and mercy. And so the king goes, you know what? You owe me nothing. How many people would love to get a letter tomorrow morning or a phone call from the bank and say, hey, you know your mortgage? You owe us nothing. I'd be doing cartwheels. And then he leaves the king's presence and he's excited. He's doing cartwheels. He's excited. And all of a sudden he's walking down the street and he bumps into another servant. He goes, wait a minute. You owe me. You owe me 100 denarii. Now, denarii is a one day's wage. And so this guy goes, hold on, give me, this guy doesn't beg for mercy. He says, he begs for patience. I will pay it back. Give me time. This servant says, no problem, I was forgiven. No, he doesn't. He grabs him by the throat and starts to choke him. He says, pay me what you owe me. And he gets him thrown into prison until he can pay it. So all of a sudden the king hears what's happened. And he calls for the servant to come back. And he brings him back in and he goes, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? I just forgave you of this massive amount and you get another friend thrown in prison because he owes you this much? And he turns him over to the prison guards, to the jailers, to be tortured and beaten until he can pay back what he owes. And Jesus finishes the parable by saying in Matthew 18, 35, he says, and this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brothers or sisters from your heart. 
So you need to forgive others before we can actually enter into the presence of God. And see, we understand that we need to, as the curtain was torn, it didn't mean we had free access. It mean we could come into his presence with a clean heart. And I don't know about you, but there are things in my past that the Holy Spirit every once in a while will bring up. And see, if you're ever wondering, do I hold on forgiveness towards somebody? How, do your, how does your physical body feel when they walk in through a door? You want to find out if you have a spirit of offense in your heart. Just sit in a room and when somebody comes through the door or when somebody says, hey, why don't you come to this party? Yeah, sure, who's all coming? So and so. Oh. And now you're trying to figure out, am I going to go or not? Matthew 1835 says, this is how our Heavenly Father will treat you, each, each of you, unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Colossians 3.13 says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Matthew 6, 14 and 15 for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I know this is a heavy way to start off the Easter series, but it's one of those things that if we really want to get into his presence, the reason that Jesus came and died for us is not just to forgive our sins, but so we could forgive others. See, I have been forgiven lots. See, when I look in the mirror, I know what Chad McLaren is, is able to do without God in my heart. Because I lived a few years like that. So when I see somebody lose it at hockey... I kind of smile and go, well, that's, that's me. When I see a neighbor or an unsaved loved one swearing and drinking and smoking, I go, yeah, that's me. But now I found Jesus. And so I know that's not me, that's who I was. But I know without Jesus, that's who I am. And so I give it, I still struggle, don't get me wrong. Don't think, oh, does Chad mean he has no offense? And no, I'm speaking this from my heart because God has walked me through in the last little while dealing with unforgiveness for things in my past. We may have to write letters. We may have to email. We may have to make phone calls. We may have to do something just to make things right because Colossians 3.13 says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Stephen Furtick, he says it this way, if you don't give it, you don't got it because if you got it, you'll give it away or you'll give it. If you're an English teacher in the room, I'm sorry, I just quoted him. If you don't give it, you don't got it, because if you got it, you'll give it. Are we forgiving? Are we, 
<laughs> now I'm all tongue-tied from his grammar. Are we giving forgiveness in the same way we've received forgiveness? And that is, are we giving it freely, generously, not because the other person deserves it, but because it's the right, reasonable thing to do? See, remember at the beginning when I was talking about driving, when we pray that police will show up for others, but we pray that there's no police for us. I'll tell you what I'm trying to do. And by trying, sometimes I succeed, sometimes I don't. If you're not sure what trying means, that's what it means. So I ask you maybe to try with me. Maybe some of you this isn't an area for you, so figure out what it is and try. See, I try when somebody cuts me off to now hold back thoughts and hold back words and honestly begin to pray for them. I don't know who they are. If they have a fish on their car, I pray extra hard. But I try. I'm really trying inside of me because I, when, I, when I talk to you and I, and I push you and I say, what is God asking you to do? What's God asking you not to do? These are things I ask God on a weekly, on a daily basis. Because I'm never satisfied with where I am. Because as I read the scriptures, I've seen how God took Moses farther and farther into a deeper relationship with him. Until I stand up here and have to put a veil over my face because my face gleams so brightly because I was in the presence of God, I have miles to go. Because I believe that can still happen today. I don't ever want myself to go, nah, I'm good. Because I believe God always has more. And if for me to go to the next step for more with him means I need to forgive more people, then God, show me who. Show me who. Because I don't want my unforgiveness to hold me back. See, the first step in forgiveness is to be like Christ. Forgive them, Father, when they don't know what they're doing or even when they know exactly what they're doing. Stephen Furtick wrote, he wrote, the truth about forgiveness is if you don't give it, you might not have fully received it or understood it. Because if you fully understood your forgiveness in your life, you would give it. Anne Lamont, she says this, not forgiving is like drinking rat poison and waiting for the rat to die. I ask you this morning, as I've been speaking, I know the way the Holy Spirit works because as I'm speaking to you, he's doing it in my head. I'm sure you already have a name or a face in your head or in your heart of who you're supposed to forgive. Because see, as you forgive them, you'll be able to go deeper. As you forgive them, your relationship with God will go to another level. Because we don't understand how much it holds us back. And you will never know how much it costs to see your sin upon the cross. And so therefore you have much to be thankful for. And so I challenge you this morning, that name in your heart, that face in your head, don't wait till tomorrow, because if you're like me, you won't do it tomorrow. This afternoon, 
a text, an email. Man, we don't even have to use a pen anymore. A phone call. A coffee. But if you wait, if you wait, you're going to be like me. You won't do it. So today, I would almost say it to yourself, I need to do this today. Because here's what you don't understand. You don't know what it will do for you. Forgiveness covers our sins when we receive it and it prevents bitterness when we give it. Call that person today. Text them. Email them. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you. Holy Spirit, I thank you so much. That, Father, you will, you love me enough to forgive me, but love me enough to never leave me the same. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask for boldness for everyone in this room. That, Father, as I spoke, Lord, I see your face in my head. And so, Holy Spirit, I believe that you've done the same for everybody in this room that you've shown them a face, you've given them a name. Now, Holy Spirit, give us the faithfulness to follow what you've asked us to do. Help us to forgive in love. That, Father, we don't, we don't give forgiveness with an explanation. We don't give forgiveness with a but. We don't give forgiveness with a string attached, but just truthful, owning our own part, forgiveness. And so, Lord, help me this afternoon as I reach out and I extend forgiveness to the one that you've placed in my heart. And so, Father, today, I pray that everyone in this room takes a deeper walk with you, a next step walk with you, because we extend a hand of forgiveness that you've extended to us multiple times. And I know for me, Lord, you will extend it multiple more times. And so, Holy Spirit, help us to love our neighbors Father, help us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Help us to guide them to you through love. Because, Father, in the forgiveness that we give and the forgiveness that we receive, we can go into your holy place and have a deeper relationship with you. So I thank you this morning for speaking, Holy Spirit. Now help us to do what you've asked us to do. And Holy Spirit, as we move towards Easter, help us to always remember what Jesus did for us. That he came, he laid his life down for us. He didn't get killed, but he gave his life up for us. And so guide us this week. Keep us safe, Father. Lord, I ask for safe travels for Pastor Lance and Pastor Jasmine as they come back. And Lord, I pray that you just guide every one of us in this room. That as Lord, as we drive, that we pray blessings. As we work, we pray blessings. As Lord, as we play sports, we play, pray blessings. As Lord, we go about every moment of our day, we pray, pray blessings on others. And so, Lord, keep us safe this week. Speak through us and to us and guide us, Lord. And, Father, let us be the light that you've called us to be. In your name we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message. Bethel Church Podcast. 
that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 